when we fall and we are feeling crappy about the fall and we're feeling worthless and all the negative things that our inner critic can start saying to us, we have to nurture that self and we have to remind ourselves what the truth is. I am not a failure because I dropped the ball. I am brave because I'm getting back up. This is for the people who push the boundaries of our society, for the people who live on the fringe, for the people who aren't afraid to question the status quo and live life as exactly who they are, not as who they should be. These are the people who make us uncomfortable, who speak truth and break glass ceilings, who aren't afraid to stand up and face themselves, who refuse to be oppressed and help us expand and evolve the edges of humanity. These are the real rebels, and this podcast is for them. Hey, it's your host, Katie B, and thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Real Rebel Podcast. Today, I am very, very excited to introduce my next guest to you. We have an incredible, incredible talk, and you will find this episode helpful and supportive if you're feeling a bit stuck or a little bit alone in your healing journey, on your healing path, and perhaps just if you're feeling a little bit alone being a human these days, so which I feel like most of us uh, could relate to that feeling. So the guest today is none other than Alex L. And Alex is a deeply compassionate, incredibly heartful, and wise beyond her years woman who, at the end of the episode, as you will hear, is here on this earth to help people know that they're not alone in their healing journey, in their experience, whatever that human experience is. And I would say she's doing a pretty good job of it. (laughs) Alex is an author and writing to heal facilitator who has been soothing souls with her words for more than five years now. Her books and journals most recently include After the Rain, which we talk about on this episode and I have read. And let me tell you, it is well worth having in your back pocket, as well as the guided journal Encourage. You can also find her hosting the Hey Girl podcast, which I have been tuning into lately and really, really loving. And on top of it all, she is a mama to three beautiful girls and a wife to her husband, Ryan, which we also talk about a bit in this episode. And mostly I found this chat just to be incredibly soothing. And I feel like you will find the same. So a few things that we talk about in this episode are getting unstuck, which I feel like we all can relate to kind of wanting to know how to do that and being the matriarchal healer of the generations, as well as navigating healing as a highly sensitive person. We talk about falling and getting back up, being in alignment, managing anxiety, all of these beautiful things, and so much more. So I don't want to keep you waiting any longer, but really quickly before we get into it, just a reminder that the links to everything that we talked about, including her latest book, After the Rain, can be found in the show notes at realrebelpodcast.com. And to get there, wherever you're listening, if you just scroll down in the description, you should see a link to the full show notes there. 
And if you want to check out Alex while you're listening, you can always find her on Instagram at AlexL. Sometimes I like to do that when I'm listening to a podcast, just kind of see the person and see their work and see what they're about. And so with that, I am so incredibly, deeply honored to be able to introduce this next guest to you and this beautiful chat with the wise beyond her years, Alexandra L. So we'll just uh, kick it off. A very, very big welcome. And as I was just saying before we started recording, I had to pinch myself when you agreed to come on. And I'm just so appreciative that you're here today. Personally, I find you incredibly inspiring and the work that you do so very important and especially your honesty with your journey of how you came to this place and also the realness about how it never really stops. The learning never really stops. The challenges never stop. So I really appreciate you for that. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. And yes, to being students of life forever and always. <laughs> so um, I'm honored to be able to, to sit down with you and, and chat and, and to dive in. So before we dive in, um, what I really want to talk about today, which is my favorite chapter of your book, and I think it's your favorite chapter as well, the first one, Change. Yes. Because I think right now, especially right now, but always, change is one of the most difficult things to traverse in life. There's so much involved in change and so much that comes up through change. Um, But before we do that, just to give people a really brief synopsis or history of your journey from point A to point B, and perhaps the question to kick it off would be, looking back five or 10 years ago, where were you then? And did you ever imagine yourself to be where you are now? And I know that's a big span of time and a big question, but just to give people an understanding of your journey. Yeah. So 10 years ago, I was 21 and just really starting to step into my true self and my power. So that's actually kind of a great way to begin because it was kind of my shedding, like my first shedding of being who I said I wanted to be. Mm. And I had a baby book out. No, I didn't. I didn't even have my first book out. That didn't come out until I was 22 or 23. So um, being 21, it was really stepping into this evolutionary space of, okay, you say you want to be your higher self, your highest self. Mm. You're going to have to do some big changes and shifting to get to her. And for me, that looked like losing a lot of friends, not being the same as my family. Um, It looked like going vegan. It looked like lots of like inner soul work around meditation and yoga. And to be honest, you know, as I say these things, it's so funny because that's what I thought I needed to do to shift. And that's what I did need. I will say I did need that that reset. I mean, I'm no longer vegan. I do practice meditation, but in a very um, embodied way that's true to me in my life now. Um, I'm not a big yogi anymore. <laughs> so a lot of things have changed <laughs> over relate. 10 years. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I did that exact same turn. Vegan, yes. you go hardcore. And then after a while, you're like, okay, also life needs to happen as yeah. well. 
Yes, yes, yes. So that was my reset. And Mm. to give a little bit more background, um, I was a mom already. I was still working a nine to five. Um, I was not happy. Mm-hmm. I was um, depressed. I was highly anxious. I was searching for love in all the wrong places still. So I really needed to get to know myself at 21. And that is where it kind of started for me was like this wake up call. It's like it's not always everybody else, sometimes it is you. And at that point, that's how I called my power back by saying, you can't keep putting your happiness in the hands of others. You can't keep putting self-love in the hands of others. That doesn't even translate into self-love, right? And you can't continue to make the same choices mm-hmm. and think you're going to get a different outcome. So that shedding looked like a lot of alone time. It looked like getting curious about who Alex was in this new way, in a way in which I had never really cared to do before. Mm-hmm. So as I've grown over the past 10 years, you know, now I'm married, I've been with my husband for eight and a half years. We have two more children um, and my career has blossomed And it's interesting to see what the hard work looked like then and what the hard work looks like now. Hmm. Because just because I'm here 10 years later, I feel like I do embody the things that I was looking for, searching for, trying to attain at 21. I have those now, but that doesn't mean there aren't a separate set of evolutionary goals and things that need to be tended to. So, yeah, I feel that's always the way. It's like we we think we're going to get to this point and then all of a sudden it will just be eternal bliss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's I don't need or want for anything, but I but I love how you point that out that there is always more. Like there is yes. always another layer. Um and I really want to touch on this word that I think people can really resonate with and what I feel well, now I'm getting sidetracked, but I'll, I'll side note by saying I am in the exact position, except I'm 32. So I'm doing it a bit later than you. You did everything quite young. Um, well, I mean, it's all relative, but um, yeah, yeah. I'm in that space right now too, where I am. I had to press the pause button and I was like, hold the phone. I am giving my power away. I am putting it like it, it I needed to stop and be like, who am I? Because I think we often don't, give ourselves that time we're kind of just thrust into the world and we just get on this hamster wheel which can often lead us to feel like we're so stuck and like we can't get out Mm. um and i know that you had that moment when you were working the nine to five job and you had this you knew that there was something more for you and you knew that you you had this dream of of who you really wanted to be. How did you deal with that feeling of I'm not where I want to be, and I feel so passionately about where I want to be, but here I am stuck. H- how did you? I don't even know. How did you traverse that? How did you move through that? And you know, all the odds seemingly were stacked against you. You know, you're a single young black woman. Uh, you're 
community didn't exactly support you, or which is often the case, the people we love often or sometimes don't see you what we see. Um, how did you shift past that in essence, which is a big question. I had to decide to change mm-hmm. and I had to decide to be the woman I said I wanted to be and also be the mother that I said I wanted to be. And that's very layered. You know, I had my first daughter, I was 18. So, you know, big, big life changes. And I'm also a big believer in that I was called to be the matriarch of healing in my family. Oof, yeah. And being that, even with the bumps in the road, even with a teen pregnancy, even with my shitty decisions uh, along the way, even with my insecurities and lack of knowledge of how to get unstuck, I had to make the decision and the choice to learn and to change. So it was really, if you notice, every chapter in After the Rain is titled Less is a Lesson, right? It's not chapter one, chapter two. It's like lesson, change, lesson, self-love. So getting unstuck required me to first acknowledge where I needed to learn. Because at 18, 19, 20, 21, you don't know anything. You don't know much of anything. No, and you think you kind of have a grip on things, but... Yes. And then throw that into, you know, I was a parent mm-hmm. and um, I was determined to not be any more of a statistic than I already was. So I was determined not to live an impoverished life. I was determined to be the mother I didn't have for my then one daughter. I now have three daughters. Um, I was determined to be the healer of my lineage by tackling my healing head on, mm-hmm. which is what the other women in my in my lineage have not done yet. I think my mom is on her pathway, but she's in her 50s, late 50s. And that's not to say it's too late, but just to give you an idea, right, yep. of how healing can take many shapes, forms, ages, years, right? And um I also just wanted to be the demonstrator of what healing could look like for my kids. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I really called in love. I really manifested love first with myself. And then when I felt like I was ready to receive external love on a romantic level, I then feel like I manifested my husband. <laughs> I often say that. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you did. I'm sure you did. <laughs> and not without, you know, hard work and and, and self-awareness mm-hmm. and like really checking myself. Um, but to also, you know, realize that love was not ever about having someone complete me. It was about having someone compliment me. And to be able to do that once I loved myself, I made that choice. I would not open myself to external love until, and I mean from a romantic partner, mm-hmm. um, until I loved myself. And I know that some people don't necessarily agree with that, but I just knew that I had tried to do it the other way around. And mm-hmm. I was just trying to fill a void with other people's love, but I was still empty. 
when I was by myself, right? Yep. I can really, for me, it's, it's the safety and where I'm putting myself right now is I'm like, and you put out this beautiful affirmation today about standing in your power and where you're sourcing your power from. And it, for me, I was like, I am falling into the people that I'm with, the man that I'm with, or the men in the past as well, because I'm sourcing my power from them. And until I can feel that on my own fully, it's not the best decision personally for me to be with somebody because I keep slipping into that and making that decision. Like you said, you made that decision. You made that choice. That's tough because it can bring up a lot of doubt. And I think we'll often get like tests then to be like, really, you want to do this? Like, here's a, mm-hmm. here's a little treat. And you're like, you have to be, you have to trust yourself so much to do something like that. So I really honor you for that. It's not, it's not easy. And you have to trust yourself to be sustainable on your own. Yeah. At least I did. Mm -hmm. Because how I was moving through the world before, how I was living before was not sustainable. You know, it was very temporary. And that's how I made that, you know, transition from being stuck to unstuck. I mean, it was just, in short, getting right with myself, you know, learning myself. And we're not taught that in school. Women are not taught autonomy Mm -mm. in school. How are you enough on your own? What makes you feel seen, safe, and supported? You know, naming our needs, naming our wants, shifting away from settling to stand in our power. Like we aren't taught these things, which I think every young woman in health ed should be taught these basic things. Principles. (laughs) Principles. <laughs> Don't even get me started. Don't even get me started. Oh my gosh. Holy shit. Yes. Because yes. what we're taught is, um, and you know, as a child, I remember hearing, what do you what do you want your wedding to be like? And mm. this and I'm like, I don't fucking know. Like I <laughs> I'm I want 10. to start I a business. Know. Like, yeah. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. like, I don't know. Why are you asking me these big adult questions? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And I and I think that so many people and also, you know, mostly women, people who identify as, as female um, mm-hmm. feel that. And I think that what's happening now is there's this big global and internal shift towards self-autonomy. And it's so needed. It's so it's so important and it's tough work. It's not yeah. a cakewalk. <laughs> no, it's not. It's hard. Um, but it's, it's a great challenge when you're ready to take it on. And I have, yeah. I have my students often ask me, my course students, like, how do you know when you are ready? Like, how do you know when your healing is working? You know, all this work that we do, like, how do we know that it's coming to fruition? And I often say it'll feel like a new light has gone off mm. in our mind. And I know that that sounds so cliche and woo woo, but it's almost like if you, like when you know, you know. And mm-hmm. I remember someone telling me that when I was on my pathway to healing and I rolled my eyes so hard. Cause I was like, that's not the answer that I wanted from you. <laughs> I wanted you to tell me step-by-step step how you knew. And they were yeah. like, I can't tell you that, but when you know, you know. And then when I knew, I knew. And I was just like, oh, this, this is that. This is that thing. You know, when you're settling a little bit less, right? When you're when you're shrinking a little bit less, when you are 
dedicated to speaking up and standing in your truth a little bit more. It's just these slight shifts that really allow us to take root in who we are. Yeah. Oof. You are a poet. You are a poet for sure. Um, <laughs> or a writer, I should say. Um, you touched on something that, and I really, you know, talk about woo-woo. I totally believe in intuitive nudges and that there's so much more going on beyond what we can see and, and yeah. hear and, and all of that. And when you mentioned, and I'm getting the chills right now, that you knew that you had to step up and be the matriarchal healer. I, I can't remember your exact words, but do the healing for the generations. I think that so many people listening can really connect to that because I think that's why so many of the souls that are here now are here because that's the calling. And and there was a woman who, she was a, a psychic or whatever, and she mentioned that to me for myself and it felt so true. Um, I think though with that also comes a lot of like you're faced with a lot and you can often question yourself, like, am I, why is it just me that's going through all of this stuff in such an intense manner? Is there something wrong with me? Um, and did you ever experience that? Like, like, am I doing this wrong? Like, why am I the only one who's stumbling repeatedly? Um, did you ever have that at any point? I think so. I think I still do. <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 And I often say I, that the divine gave me three daughters because there's still so much work to be done. Mm. Oof. And that through my healing, they will find theirs mm -hmm. and then they will continue to heal our lineage. Right. You can't just do it all. It doesn't end with me. It starts with me. Yeah. And it starts with me because my great-grandmother didn't do it. My grandmother didn't do it. My mother didn't do it. So it's like, okay, that's a big responsibility to try to heal for three generations, four generations, and not know what the hell you're doing. Yeah. You know, and, and not have a blueprint to be great at this. Yeah. <laughs> but I but I think that's really where the um alignment comes from. It's like setting the tone finding the pathway so that the generations after I will have just a little roadmap of like where to get started mm -hmm. and not knowing where to get started initially. I wanted to quit so many times. I mean, I tried to, I tried to quit and walk away. I reverted to old bad habits. I, you know, was just avoiding the work that had to be done because it was so intense. And I'm like, I'm the only one doing it. You know, I have to set the tone for this lineage and I have no idea like how to do this. Yeah. But even in my fear, like I wasn't able to fully turn away. And I think that's because I was definitely put here and called to do this type of work for my family. And also, like, even when I speak about it now and I, you know, have my bouts with, you know, my anxiety and my depression, mm -hmm. and sometimes I just feel myself asking, like, why was I born into this family? Like, where is the lesson? Where is the lesson? Um, 
why couldn't I be born into a different family? You know, why couldn't I be raised by someone who loved me and showed me they loved me? And like, why could, why did I have to learn all of these things the hard way? Mm -hmm. And why did I have to go through the trauma and neglect and pain that I went through to get here? Like, it almost sometimes seems unfair, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's just my human self, like being tender. And also, instead, I used to turn away from those feelings too a lot because they're, they're a lot to face, right? Yeah. They're big. And instead, now I turn toward and I just think, well, if not you, then who? Mm-hmm. You know, like if, if not you, then who? And you are rooted in love now. You love your children. You parent them with love. You know, you love yourself. You have let someone else love you and build a life with them. And you are still healing and you are um, still learning and often bringing myself back to you're here now. You'll be 32 years old. You are here now. You are blessed, you know. And there's nothing we can do to change the past. All we can do is prepare for the now and be in the moment of the now and the healing of the now, right? Yeah. So that's, that's how I, you know, move through that because it's, it's tender. It's hard. It's tender. And um, it's highly emotional. <laughs> oh, my God. I was just crying in my bed last night, like hugging my pillow. <laughs> something like that that's the truth of it though and I think that you know you mentioned and I really want to be mindful of time here um what I want to talk about is being a highly sensitive person you do need to do things like give yourself extra space and I think that you you know you talked about having all of the emotion these emotions and I think that a lot of times people who are here and called to be the healer for their generations or the generations of their family, a lot of times they're a highly sensitive person. And a lot of times they deal with anxiety and depression and feeling things that might not even be their energy. And mm-hmm. it's just so, it can be so much. And that's why I think, you know, you don't have all the answers for people. I don't have all the answers for people. But just to know that you're not alone in, if you're a super sensitive person and you feel called to this work, those two things in conjunction will be messy. (laughs) There's no, (laughs) there's just no avoiding it. And so I love how you're really honest about, yeah, it, it, it's not easy and it's continuous. And, um, but I think, and you can, if you feel this as well, there's this level of alignment and being clicked in and that fulfillment that you're on, you're on the right track. You're on, you're in the flow and that feeling makes it all worth it. I feel. Yeah, no, I I agree with that. And also like trusting that you can get back into alignment when you are off. Yes, yeah. Like realignment is a part of this process completely. How do you do that? How, How do you, what do you feel like when you're out of that alignment? And what do you kind of do? I know it's so situational and dependent on what the thing is, but what do you kind of do? I know when I'm out of alignment when I am not present. Mm. like when I just kind of feel like I'm floating out of my body because that was like dissociation was something that I did a lot as a kid yeah me too Um, yeah so 
when I am not in alignment, I am literally feeling like I'm not in my body. I'm just kind of floating, right? Mm-hmm. And when I am in alignment, and when I notice that, I have to literally bring myself back and be like, hey, you know, have a chat. Get back here, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Calling you in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I am in alignment, I just feel this sense of ease and certainty. Mm. Yeah. That's so perfectly put. Yep. And clarity as well. Like it's very clear that I'm walking in alignment when I can feel it, see it, and name it. And I'm not always in alignment. Not always, you know? No one is. Which is a mis-, mis- Yeah, exactly. I think that's the thing <laughs> is we we put that, that we expect that perfection, even in something right. as imperfect as, you know, being a human and trying to have some kind of spiritual um, practice or just being connected with ourselves. We're not always going to be in it, which is why I love how you describe what it feels like to not be and to be in it. Um, and often I, I feel like it just takes a few really courageous actions, often brave actions of letting something go or bringing something in to do that, which is often laced in fear and can bring up all the stuff. But then there therein lies the work. And yep. it is work. Yes, it <laughs> is. Sometimes exhausting work. Yeah. Um, I really want to end this. And then we'll get into a round of kind of rapid fire questions that I ask everybody. Um, this quote that you said, and and I mean, I don't even know where this is going to go. I just really like this quote, to be honest. You said at the end of your of the change chapter, which, by the way, I do want to point out. I really love how your after the rain book is laid out. Thank you. Because to me, I haven't read it all yet, but what I did was it felt like like medicine like like a medicine cabinet you could open it up and see which dose of medicine your soul needed for that moment and then read that chapter and it was the perfect digestible size to really and you're so honest that it really hits home and um so I really just love the way that it's laid out it's such a beautiful book and as always everything I, I mentioned the intro and outro all the places people can find things um, but this quote you said for me, change required being brave enough to let go and vulnerable enough to start over, even if that meant trying more than once or twice to get it right. I love that, even though it meant trying more than once or twice, because I think we often have this idea, and I'm speaking knowingly here, <laughs> that <laughs> I'm gonna do it right the first time and it's just gonna take off and I'm going to have no road bumps and it's going to be great. (laughs) And then you do it and it's like, bang, you get, you know, hit upside the head or you fall down. And in that falling, there can be so much shame and so much like, ah, I'm, I'm wrong. Like I'm wrong. I'm doing it wrong. And now I'm a failure and that's, that's who I am. And looking like I can be aware of those thoughts and how they're not true. But in that moment, nothing feels more true. And I think the difference between people who, I don't know if the definition of success changes, but who reach where they'd like to go or or are able to experience their dreams in reality are the ones who just got up again and again and again. Um, mm-hmm. What is your experience with being in that moment, the falling, and then choosing to get back up? 
Oh my gosh, the falling is always crappy. Um, <laughs> yeah. But on the way down these days, I'm like, okay, you'll land and then you'll get back up. <laughs> Here we go, the descent. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes. Um, and cultivating self-trust. Mm. Like you're oh, not yeah. always going to get it right and you're going to fall and you're going to fail. And it's so interesting as I parent my children, I often say I'm reparenting myself. Because when my babies fall or when my oldest is having a, you know, crisis, it's not like we say, you know, you suck, you know, you're terrible. All these things we say to ourselves, right? Yeah. You know, you've fallen, you suck, you're a failure, blah, blah, blah. We would never say that to our children. We would never, well, hopefully we would never say that to our children. Um, I would never say that. I'm saying hopefully because... I grew up in a home where I was not greeted with the most loving words when failure happened. So for me, I would never talk down to my children who are already down, right? I would never mm-hmm. talk down to them and make them feel worse. So why would I talk down to myself and make myself feel worse? So there's that reparenting. Yeah. Loving myself like I love my children. Talking to myself like I would talk to my children. Will my babies fall? Okay, baby, come on. You're okay. Get back up. Brush it off. Give them a kiss. And we're onward, you know? When our oldest is having a crisis, it's okay. You're strong. You're safe. You're loved. You're seen. Be in your feelings. And, let, and now let's move forward together, right? And mm-hmm. how can I love you through this? Can I give you a kiss? Can I give you a hug? Like those really tender, gentle things that we say to our kids, to our best friends, to our family members whom we love and are close with, like, why wouldn't we say that to ourselves? Yeah. Right? Totally. And what's so beautiful about what you just said is that therein lies the healing work that you've done. Like, there it is in practice for the next generation, you know? Yes. Like, it's already, there's change. (laughs) Yeah, there's change. There's change. And there's self-worth, because I deserve to speak to myself in the same loving way that I speak to my children and to my mm-hmm. husband and to those I love, right? So I think there's that sacred work when we fall and we are feeling crappy about the fall and we're feeling worthless and all the negative things that our inner critic can start saying to us, we have to nurture that self and we have to remind ourselves what the truth is. I am not a failure because I dropped the ball. I am brave because I'm getting back up, you know? And I can feel disappointed and letting myself down and being disappointed is a part of the human experience. What am I going to do to grow through this moment? How am I going to learn from it? Where is the lesson? And that can be done with gentleness and tenderness too. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be met with aggression or, you know, ridicule. Um, and we're, yeah. we can be our own worst critic as well. So it's like, okay, <sighs> yeah. where do we need to reel ourselves in, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's beautiful alchemy. That's, that's changing and transforming that energy. It's so powerful. Oh, yeah. man. I'm just loving this. I'm just really... Um, and like I say, I, I do... I want to give you lots of space or as much space as I can before your next call. So going into these closing questions, there are six of them. Um, and answer them in, in whatever way that you wish. The first one is, 
What is the biggest lesson that you have learned in this last year? That I have to put myself at the top of my list, not in the middle or the bottom, but the top. Hmm. That's powerful. Something I think a lot of us forget. Um, Second question, what is currently challenging you? My anxiety. Hmm. I think collectively the anxiety, especially recently, has been quite off the charts. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think that it's, you're not alone in that one. That's, yeah, it's coming up. What do you do to kind of ease it for yourself? Um, Well, I started painting, so that helps. And um, I recently, like two weeks ago, got on a low dose of medication to help my brain find ease and that feels good and supportive too. Nice. Because I was avoiding that for a while, but I'm glad I leaned in. I think a lot of people do. There's especially in the spiritual community and the wellness community which you are in. And I think we have this like rigid ideas around what healing and what health looks like. And I think it it has to be fluid, right? Like it's Mm -hmm. it's so individual. Um Third question, looking forward into the next year or two years, what are you excited about? Oh my gosh, teaching in person, (laughs) being (laughs) around people, teaching in person. I am like zoomed out. Um, (laughs) But yeah, yeah. Yeah, I hear you there. Um, Aside from your own beautiful books, um, which I highly recommend people immediately go out and buy, um, what is a book or book that you would recommend or one that you've either read recently that really touched you or a good old standby that you always come back to that people might find supportive? Okay, so I have five to share. Ooh, all right. <laughs> Codependent No More. Mm-hmm. Stunning book. It'll, it'll read your entire life, okay? It is wild yep. how great it is. Um, <laughs> Wake Up Grateful. It's by Christy Nelson. The first book is by... Melody Beattie, Beatty, mm-hmm. I think is her last name. Um, the third book is The Alchemist by Paolo Coelho. The fourth book is A Three Dog Life by Abigail Thomas. Mm, I've never heard of that one. It is so good. It's a mm-hmm. great, great book. Um, and the last book, oh, I have so many books. Um, <laughs> the last book is all About Love by Bell Hooks. Mm, haven't heard of that one either. I've got some new books for the list now. Yes. Second to last question, one of my favorite questions, and one I'm sure you've been asked before. Um, <laughs> but if you were sitting across the table from your 20-year-old self and you could tell her one thing, what would you say? I would say you are love and you don't have to go searching for it. It is within you. That was a good one. That was a good one. I've heard many answers to that. That was very good. Final question. What is your rebel cause? Meaning, why is it that you do what you do? Why do you believe you're here? I do what I do to give other people permission to do what they need to do. Mm -hmm. I am here and I do this work because I want people to know they're not alone in their struggles or their healing or their joy. Yeah, that's absolutely beautiful. And I'm not surprised in the slightest. Um, so thank you so much for coming on. It, it truly was a pleasure. And um, I just I just love talking to you. You're wonderful to talk to. Oh my 
gosh, thank you so much. This was awesome. I'm really happy that you asked me to, to come on. <laughs> hey, it's your host, Katie B. And thank you again for tuning into this episode with Alex L. I hope you found it supportive. I definitely felt like incredibly grounded and very, very at peace at the end of my chat with Alex. So I hope you felt the same. And as I mentioned in the beginning, if you want to check out anything that we talked about, including her latest book, After the Rain, you can do so in the show notes at realrebelpodcast.com. And if you like this episode and you found it helpful or supportive in any way, it would mean the world to me if you could pass it on to somebody that you loved who might also find it supportive and or and this is a big one, leave a written review and a rating over at Apple Podcasts. It just really helps me to grow this thing and get it into more of our Rebels ears. Music for the intro and outro of this episode is called Deep Blue by Dusty Marshall, which you can find linked to in the show notes at realrebelpodcast.com. Okay, until next time. <laughs>